today on The Friday Fix. But what I'm really concerned about in the next two years is it may be disruptive to humanity in, in so far as it breaks down the fabric of our society. I can see from a human perspective, it can send knowledge workers to some kind of existential dread. Can be worse for democracy as social media has been, maybe a 10x worse for democracy, creating bigger and bigger echo chambers. So yes, does AI have the ability to destroy humanity or impair human civilization? Absolutely yes, but not in this crazy Skynet kind of way, but a far more insidious way. Hi everyone, I'm Jane, a senior consultant on the tech team at Powers Court. This week, I'm pleased to welcome founder and CEO of one of our clients, Eigen Technologies, Dr. Lewis Z. Liu. Lewis founded Eigen in 2015, having begun his career as a consultant at McKinsey. He has an enormously impressive academic track record. I'm just going to name some of it, but firstly, he holds a doctorate in atomic and laser physics from Oxford, as well as a master's in theoretical physics from Harvard. Hi, Lewis. Welcome on board. Hello. Great to be here. Great to have you. Today we're going to talk on a subject that you know extremely well, one that you knew well even before it became the ultimate buzzword everywhere from boardrooms to broadcast, generative AI. This isn't the first time we've tackled this topic on the Friday Fix, but today's conversation looks into new avenues within this broad term and explores some of the societal implications. So Lewis, for our listeners who are new to Eigen, tell us a bit more about the company and the technology, and firstly, how you leverage AI, but also how generative AI comes into that. Sure, of course. I, I like to think of ourselves as an OG AI company. We were using large language models, this type of natural language processing technology way before it was cool or sexy. And I would say that the fundamental problem that we solve is that 80 to 90% of data on the, in the enterprise and the businesses are completely useless. They are in PDFs, Excel spreadsheets, Word documents, and ultimately they need to be transcribed or transformed into structured usable data. Just think about how many documents you have in, in your own SharePoint folder. And if you could actually be able to get that data into a structured format, how many more things you can do with it. So what we fundamentally do, Eigen is a universal translator of data. We transform complex documents into structured usable data. And in terms of using uh, AI, we have been using these large language models since they were originally invented back in 2019. They are actually extremely powerful. There's so many conversations going on around this topic at the moment, but what's actually happening in the world of AI, and particularly in regard to Gen AI? I think that what's happening inside the world of research of AI versus what's happening in the general zeitgeist, this is the iPhone moment for AI, is the moment where every grandma, every student, every executive knows that there is this thing called AI and it is something that you could talk to, interact with, it is the moment that all of the technologies of AI have come together in a publicly digestible, user-consumer digestible format. And, and that is permeating every conversation we're having in society. So that's happening, right? From the outside or from the general public, it's as if this is a revolution of technology, a revolution of the ability for AI to perform things like telling a story, or creating a mind-blowing image or artwork. In the AI community, however, it's actually not very surprising. So as I mentioned previously, large language models have been invented back 
couple years ago now, originally by, uh, in the form of something called BERT by Google. And over the years, they've gotten increasingly more powerful. But actually, what's really interesting, there was a recent Stanford study that showed that the power, the ability of this kind of AI uh, technologies actually scale linearly just with the training data and compute. So actually, from an inside perspective, this is a very natural evolution of the AI technology. And I think the reason why there's so much buzz about it today is that I think OpenAI, the folks at OpenAI, the folks at MidJourney, for example, have done a really good job packaging AI in a really digestible, marketable format. And these days, you can hardly pick up a newspaper without reading about the sort of doom for humanity that it'll cause. Should we be worried about some of these new approaches to generative AI? Is it coming after our jobs? What are the societal implications behind all of this? As a CEO of an AI company, I am actually deeply concerned about some of the direction that we are taking in the AI world. And let's start with an easy question first, which is, is AI after our jobs? I think the short answer is yes. In fact, AI has been displacing jobs for a long time. A really good example of this is, before it was called AI, it used to be called machine learning. Before it was called machine learning, it used to be called statistics or applied statistics. But anyway, these type of quantitative methodologies have been replacing jobs for a very long time. So for example, the banking world is one of the first industries to have deployed machine learning, large models, statistical models. And they were originally doing this to make credit underwriting decisions and credit pricing decisions. So for example, back a couple decades ago, some of the banks hired a bunch of astrophysicists to actually price credit cards. And that eventually displaced some of the credit writing officers than retail banking. So that's been happening for a while. I mean, Eigen itself, we have displaced over one to two billion dollars worth of legal fees. Things that used to be done traditionally by human lawyers are now done by our own AI platform. And I would say that we will continue to see job displacement as AI becomes more and more powerful, or actually more precisely as both entrepreneurs and existing software companies find better and better and more innovative ways of using AI. I think job displacement is inevitable, like any technological development. But I'm less worried about the aspect of job displacement because just like Microsoft Excel or just like Word or just like the steam engine even going back or, or even the printing press, just different types of technology here, it actually ended up creating larger economic opportunities and greater employment as an aggregate. But that's not why I'm worried about the direction of AI. I'm worried about the approach that some of the generative AI companies take in a perspective of human IP and human creativity. If, if you think about this, the desire to create is one of the things that separates humans from the rest of the animal species. The desire to leave a mark, the desire to make something bigger than yourselves. So, so the second tenet is that fundamentally intellectual property is a fundamental tenet of modern democracy and modern capitalism. And if we look at the way that a lot of the generative AI companies or models you know, monetize this, I, I think it is a deeply disturbing violation of intellectual property and human creation. So for example, you can go on GPT today and ask it to write a script of Frozen, Disney Frozen in the style of Quentin Tarantino. And it will dutifully do that. 
it will write a frozen script in the style of Quentin Tarantino. And, and the question here is, well, who owns the IP, right? And it, it had to have read a Disney script. It had to have ingested all these movie scripts in order to make that output. But ultimately, should the IP owned by Disney versus how much should the IP be commercializable by OpenAI? Uh, my brother-in-law is in the film industry, for example. He was talking to me recently about the writer's strike. The question is, why are we writers creating all of these things just to A, be automated away by it, just to take away our agency as creators, and at the same time not get compensated for that very thing that's taking away our agency. So I think there are deep questions here in terms of intellectual property and creation. And, and by the way, that's not to say that we should not be using generative AI. We absolutely need to be. I think it is a really powerful piece of technology. But there needs to be some kind of movement from, call it the Napster moment, when digital music became available to everyone, and the transition to what we call the Spotify moment, when creators are being compensated for you know, their creation that allows generative AI to be so powerful. And that's what I'm really concerned about is the, the act of human creation and one of the tenets of capitalism and democracy, which is property. And how do we make that work in a world of generative AI? So just picking up on that open AI chat GPT point, what do you think of the role of prominent tech leaders like Sam Altman? Are they trying to influence AI regulation? Do they genuinely care about policy? What would you say? Of course they care about policy. They're looking for regulatory capture. They're looking to prevent the open source community from, from moving forward. And ultimately, I think that this current cohort of leaders are being deeply disingenuous in, in the way that they are engaging with policymakers and engaging with the public. As a policymaker, and as a, uh, an individual in the, in the democratic process, I think we need to be extremely skeptical. I mean, a, a good lesson learned here, right, is what happened in social media. Right? When, when social media first came out, I think that in, in many ways, we, the general public, as well as the regulators, were a little bit asleep on the wheel. Or we didn't really truly comprehend the dangers of social media, what it has on our youth, what it has on the democratic process. And of course, years later, we have seen the damage that social media has caused to, to many of these elements, to youth and to democratic process. And I think this time, I think the regulators, especially those in Europe, have been much more thoughtful and are much more skeptical about taking AI, current AI leadership at its word. And I think that's something that I'm a little bit more hopeful about. So in conclusion, we both as in the AI industry, as CEOs and executives in the AI industry, and number two, as, as policymakers, and number three, as a general public, we must remain vigilant and not be distracted by you know, doomsday-type scenarios, but be really vigilant on the real issues at hand, which is, again, IP, data security, data privacy, and the harmful impacts AI can have on, on our youth and our society. Those are the real issues that we need to focus on. And then, just because I've got to ask, and it's not going to be an easy question to answer, but could it really kill many humans in two years, as Matt Clifford has suggested? The late Stephen Hawkins said the development of full artificial intelligence could spell the end of the human race. What do you think of those kind of statements, and what do they actually mean? And let's be very clear what generative AI is. And let's be very clear what the GPT model does. It is a model 
that predicts the next sentence based on the previous sentence. That is all it is. I mean, it's, it's very powerful, it can do very cool things, but that is all it is. And yes, it can get more and more powerful, it can score higher and higher on standardized tests, but it fundamentally lacks context in order to do things that are quote-unquote destructive for humanity. I am not concerned about the ability for gen AI models in the next two years to you know, wipe out the human race a la Terminator style. Um, that's just preposterous. Even mathematically, it makes no sense. Because again, it lacks context. It lacks an ability to actually interact with the world. But what I'm really concerned about in the next two years is it may be destructive to humanity in, in so far as it breaks down the fabric of our society. I can see from a human perspective, it can send knowledge workers to some kind of existential dread. It can be worse for democracy as social media has been maybe a 10x worse for democracy, creating bigger and bigger echo chambers. So yes, does AI have the ability to destroy humanity or impair human civilization? Absolutely yes, but not in this crazy Skynet kind of way, but in a far more insidious way. And that's something we, we in the AI industry need to think about and work to stop. Brilliant. Thank you, Lewis. Thanks for coming on the podcast. And we look forward to hearing more of your views in the future. Thank you.